Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? But at the heart of all of it, of all personal development work, is self-awareness. And the more aware we are of who we are, the more we can open ourselves up to our greatest potential. Today, I'm excited to sit down with Jordana Levin, the best-selling author of Make It Happen, Higher Love and Make You Happen, three incredible books and also the host of three very successful podcast shows. With her background in journalism, she has built a reputation for taking big topics and making them relatable, digestible and downright entertaining. Through her wit, warmth and street smart practicality, she invites readers to get curious about the things that light them up. Jordana is also a trained astrologist, flexing her skills through her weekly podcast show, Lunar Lover, and by offering natal chart readings to clients so that they can understand themselves more intimately, creating more self-awareness. This is going to be one fun and very interesting conversation. Jordana, it is fabulous to have you on the show. Welcome to the One Question Podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You are sitting in such a tranquil, beautiful location there in Byron. How's it going up there at the moment? It's beautiful. Actually, you know what? It's a little bit hectic. We've got one more week before the like high peak period of Byron ends. We've got school holidays still going. I think it'll run till like Anzac Day. And then we get this real sort of like quiet lull until about September where it picks up again. And that's my favorite time of year in Byron, that winter period. Yeah, just uh, when you get the town back to yourself as locals, right? right rather than, <laughs> sounds like us in Palmy. It's just like summer. My husband hates it. And uh, one of my best mates here, she said, it means we live in like one of the party central. She's, she thinks it's fantastic. So it's hard to get used to. Good I mean, it's good for the economy as well, like the businesses up here. But yeah, for the locals, they just want their peace and quiet. Yeah, very <laughs> true. That's why they moved there. I get it. Uh, I am super excited. I've been following you for a while and I've uh, been reading your latest book. So I want to kick in and uh, get started with you. If there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? Well, it's very simple and it's self-awareness. Okay. Self-awareness, big topic can mean lots of things. Why is this a topic that you're so passionate about? I have worked as a journalist for many years and in most recent years I've been writing my own self-help and personal development books. I've read a lot of them growing up, always been really interested in developing self. And I realised that what I was looking for every time I picked up the next self-help book or the next personal development book was the shiny object, the thing that was going to change everything for me. But at the heart of all of it, of all personal development work, is self-awareness. And the more aware we are of who we are, the more we can open ourselves up to our greatest potential. 
No, it makes complete sense to me and I've done a lot of work in this space, but you offer people quite different elements and different ways to kind of break this stuff open as well. So I'd love to dig in a little bit there because I just feel, I mean, you're interesting anyway, you know, for people, you know, especially on social media where they talk about manifesting, you know, your finances or your life or, you know, manifest money. And I'm like, oh, what a load of bullshit. Like, seriously, they should be illegal, those places, because, you know, they really do lead people in an interesting direction with stuff. But you've come from a journal background, you know, you're pragmatic and you really write that way as well in your books. I love your voice, uh, your tone of voice in your books. It's, I feel like you're there with me. It's really fabulous. So how do you reconcile with that or how did you get into the space of astrology, like from your background? I think it's fascinating. Yeah, it's funny. It's one of those things where I'm not really sure, to tell you the truth. When I was a journalist, I was a food journalist, which is just even crazier because it's got nothing to do with anything. But it was me following the scent or the taste of things that interest me. And I guess that's what is at the heart of manifestation, even at the heart of astrology, is this curiosity to learn more, to learn more about the world, about your connection in the universe and also just to learn more about yourself. So that was always something that I was very curious about growing up. I'm a Gemini, so I'm one of I was one of those kids that would always ask, but why? But why? But why? But why? Is that only Gemini's? Because that's I was like that as well. I still am. <laughs> Hence the one question podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very Mercurian thing. So the Gemini's and the Virgos of this world, yeah, definitely. But I think, yeah, for me it was wanting to discover more. That was at the heart of it. I had a mother who was very spiritual and I had a father who was very conservative and corporate and pragmatic. And I took on both sides of that, which is why I became a journalist in the first place. And then once I sort of left food journalism and mainstream journalism, I started sort of veering off to the more kind of esoteric sides, the things that seem quite unattainable or perhaps a little bit like intangible and esoteric and I really wanted to understand them in a really practical digestible applicable way and help other people with that as well. Mm, Interesting so that kind of led down this path of then educating yourself getting qualified in this sort of space and then helping others is that because of what happened to you or what you found through that sort of experience Jordana? Absolutely. I mean, my first book uh, is called Make It Happen and it's purely about manifestation. I, again, was reading all these manifestation books growing up that told me to like to think good thoughts and good things would happen. And it just seemed like a pile of bullshit to me, really. I was like, that just cannot be it. That can't be how it works. So I started getting curious about the things that I was naturally creating in my life and what kind of energy was behind that. I figured out it was our thoughts, yes, definitely play into it. Our feelings create this like vibrational frequency around us. But then also our ability to take action and go after what we want in our lives. And then with that, this little dance of taking action and then also having having a sense of faith and surrendering that you're being supported by something much greater than you. I call it the universe. And through experimentation, through getting curious, I started to see how all of this was playing out and the pragmatic side of me started to sort of create this formula and put it into this book, into teachings, yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting. And I was talking with my older stepson. He's been living in LA for the last year. He's um, got a dual passport, so he's able to work over there. And he's working at Esalen, which is an amazing retreat that's been around since the 60s. And so, yeah, we were having this great conversation about all the different therapists and the different types of sessions they have, which are pretty out there. Some of them are quite wild and they do obviously like microdosing, a lot of like in psilocybin, lots of different things that finally are you know, starting to get a bit more um, accepted here in Australia legally as well through um, PTSD and stuff. So he, um, we were talking about manifestation and around the law of attraction and, you know, my husband's quite pragmatic and so he's sort of listening in the background thinking we're wacky <laughs> or whatever. But Ev's very pragmatic as well. So, you know, and him and I have always questioned stuff. And I said to him, it's funny how people don't believe in this and yet it's fundamentally energy you know, we're all these energy particles and, you know, you can put out good energy or bad energy and people use this kind of esoteric term about, well, the universe, say, you know, speak to the universe and tell it what you want and it'll come and whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, that might be true on a big level if you really understand the whole process, but to kind of dumb it down, I guess, how do you explain to people what you do that are kind of naysayers that think this is a load of BS you know, all that type of stuff, because I'm fundamentally, I've seen a lot of stuff that really works for me, but that's not for everyone. And I get that. And everyone is on their own kind of journey with it. How do you reconcile with that and take people along or get them to sort of understand, I guess, what you do and how you impact people's lives? Right, right. I mean, look, it's my lifelong journey to be convincing people. I think the books do a really good job of it, but I get it because I came from that angle as well, which I think puts me in the perfect position to be able to get people on board. The fact is, sort of like you alluded to before, is we're all manifesting whether we realize it or not. There's vibrational energy around us at all times. I'm trying to get people to realize that they have a little bit of a say in what they create for themselves because manifestation really is in its most simplest form taking ownership of a future that you desire. Oh, I like that. Sorry, can you say that again? Manifestation in its simplest form is taking ownership of a future that you desire. If we look at it through the manifestation equation, if we had an intention of something that we wanted to manifest in this lifetime. So for you, Michelle, like what's something that you would like to create in your life to manifest in your life? Oh, I don't know if I want to share that right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I think probably living in Europe, whether it's half of, you know, six months of the year, like we talked before we came on here, how I'm a summer baby. I would happily have summer all year. So six months. And I love my life here in Australia, but I can't handle winter. So living in overseas even or, or Europe for, for potentially six months would be my dream and how to kind of make that work with all my work and, you know, companies and different things is probably the uh, riddle I'm trying to solve. <laughs> so what we would do at this point is we would go, okay, let's take it through the equation. The first part of the equation is thoughts. How are your day-to-day -day thoughts aligned or misaligned with that intention. If you spend your days going, oh, that's never gonna happen because how am I gonna run my business from overseas? And what about the boys? And what about my husband? And what about the house over here? And what, where are we gonna live over there? And you know, like <laughs> if that's what's plaguing you, whether you're conscious of it or not, that's gonna start directing your energy away from your intention. So it's saying to myself, okay, well, 
yeah, my thoughts are powerful. They're not everything, but they do hold power over the direction I choose to take in my life. So how can I start to align my thoughts with what it is I want to create, which is either stopping the thoughts that are saying this isn't possible for you and perhaps introducing thoughts that go, well, maybe it is possible. Maybe I just open myself up to the possibility of opportunities opening up or space being created or whatever it might be, right? Then we go to the second part of the equation, which is feelings. Feelings create this vibrational frequency around us. And much like the law of attraction that you spoke of before, there is a universal law called the law of vibration. And the law of vibration states that everything in the universe is vibrating on its own frequency and that things with a similar frequency are drawn together. So the idea is, how would you feel if you were spending half of your year in the European sun? And can you start to feel those feelings now, even without that thing having manifested yet? Because the idea of the law of vibration is if you can start to vibrate on that frequency right now, then things that are matching that frequency are drawn to you. Then we move to the third part of the equation, which is action. This is the really practical, pragmatic part of it. What action steps are you taking? And are you taking steps that take you in the other direction? It might be just looking into it, maybe looking at some properties over there, having a look at what you could do with the business here if you went over there for six months of the year. And then the faith piece, the faith piece is more like, do I believe that I am worthy and deserving of this thing that I'm trying to create in my life? And also there's a part of it that's like, it's the trust piece. It's like, if this is meant for me, I can let go. I don't have to grip so tightly. And if it's not this, then it's because something better is on the way. There's a reason that I need to be here for those six months of the year because something bigger is coming into my orbit and really having a sense of faith in that. Love it. Okay, we're done. Thank you. I'm going to go off and work on the <laughs> It's... Um... It's funny because you've touched on exactly what Ev and I were talking about. It's, you know, about the thoughts equal feelings and the key element is around the action point. And so I think that's my observation with people with this is where they get stuck. But you've just articulated that so beautifully with a great example for me to then think about. And yeah, I really see that people go, oh, this is a load of bullshit, whatever, and this never works. What am I? But when you use a prime example and you break it down, then people, you know, get some thinking going, oh, okay, I haven't really thought about that. But, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm getting myself into the thoughts and the feelings, but it's that action piece that really kind of then puts the wheels into motion as such, doesn't it? And gets, uh, you know, the universe conspiring with you or the manifestation happening. And, you know, we use these kind of what people say, like the woo-woo or the fluffy words. But if you want to use it in a pragmatic sense, this stuff's happening all day, every day. Absolutely. And this is where sort of like the self-awareness piece comes in, because the idea is if you want to be able to manifest what it is you want, you first have to recognize that you manifest who you are, who you're showing up as every day, what your thoughts are doing and how they're contributing to your life, how your feelings are contributing to your life, how your actions are contributing to your life. It all comes back to you. So if anyone's listening and they're feeling stuck around manifestation or stuck around bringing new opportunities in, it's time to stop 
and reflect and not say, what am I doing wrong? Or why don't good things happen to me or whatever it might be, but reflect and be like, okay, well, what can I shift? What do I have the power to shift? Are there limiting beliefs here? Am I not taking action? Am I being too idle? Or am I pushing too hard and trying to control the situation? And that's not where my energy naturally wants to go. Yeah, interesting. As you said, that pushing too hard component is is an, a really good one for people to reflect on for sure. So, yeah, I'm intrigued when you're talking about being self-aware, how do you start with that with someone? Like, so I've done a ton of work in this sort of space, so I find like I can kind of get into the mode of this quite easily and everything you're saying makes sense to me. But for someone listening, again, this is the first time and they're like, well, I don't really know what you mean and how do I do that? What's the sort of first sort of process they can start to, you know, really kind of dig into that self-awareness or help with their feelings or their thoughts in this space? Right. In my latest book, Make You Happen, I've got the three steps of self-awareness, I call it. And they're really simple. So it's like wherever you're meeting conflict or wherever you want to discover more about yourself in your life, you take yourself through the three steps of self-awareness. The first one we kind of alluded to before, it's curiosity just getting curious and that's asking yourself questions you know you meet a situation or you meet a person you have an experience and asking yourself how does this make me feel how did I feel in that moment how do I feel after it how do I want to feel going forward really simple questions but the reflection that we don't always take the time to do we kind of just move through You know what I mean? So really sitting with yourself. And I mean, I think journaling is the best way to do it. But as a writer, I personally don't love journaling because I'm writing all day and then to like have to write again. I'm just like, no. Well, I was going to say I hate as a non-writer. See, I've tried journaling. It doesn't work for me. Yeah. So I'm like, what else? It's not for everyone. (laughs) Right. I mean, you can just, what I do To be honest with you, lately I've been journaling. I've been forcing myself because I needed an extra hit. But what I used to do is I would sit at the end of, say, my meditation. But if you're not a meditator, just sitting in silence with yourself and asking yourself the questions. You don't have to do it out loud. You could if you wanted to. You could do it in a voice note in your phone if you really wanted to. But just sitting there and thinking about the situation or the person or whatever and saying, how does this make me feel? And really understanding those feelings And then the second step is acceptance. It's like, why am I like this? Why do I feel like this? And it's okay to feel like this. I accept this side of myself. But if I want to feel differently, if I want to respond differently, if I want to change something, how can I shift? But first, in order to do that, we need to be able to accept that part of ourselves. Because if we start rejecting parts of ourself, then the self-awareness piece is kind of redundant because it's like, well, it's one thing to be aware, but if you're not going to accept that part of yourself, what's the point, right? And then the third step is embodiment. It's like the integration. It's like, okay, I understand what I feel. I accept that. What is it that I want and what am I going to do about it? How am I going to integrate this? How am I going to embody it going forward? Yeah, I mean, that again, that makes sense. And having read the book, all that is, you know, you're coming back with that stuff. The question I have is around the acceptance piece, because you're saying, okay, you need to accept those parts about you. Well, for some of us, there'll be things about us that come up that we find it really difficult to accept. So how do you guide someone through that? What are those, you know, are there any kind of 
tricks that you can think about to help you or is there other work that some people may need to do in that space? Yeah, look, I think when we can start to look at ourselves as a series of strengths and weaknesses and look at those weaknesses not as an excuse or a hindrance, but look at them really as their own strength, right? Because once you have an awareness of it, you can work with it. I think the acceptance piece really is about being at peace with who we are and knowing that the more self-aware we become, the more we're able to grow and expand from that place. But until we have an awareness of it, there's no room to expand or grow. So if you're looking to up level, if you're looking to expand, if you're looking for growth in your life, the awareness and acceptance piece is the very first step of that. And yeah, it can be really uncomfortable. For I'll give you a real world example. I'm 38 years old, right? I only discovered about a couple of years ago that I'm really judgmental. Like of myself, but also of other people, like super judgy. <laughs> You're a Sagittarius. Are you also a little bit judgy sometimes? <laughs> no, actually, I, well, I don't think no. I am. It's been interesting, the work I've been doing in this space where, you know, really been noticing other people's judgment. And then, yeah, you said, I used to sort of take that on. I'm an empath. So I would take and get really like upset. And, you know, I'm classic, would always stick up for the underdogs, even as a young kid, you know, like that's, so I kind of dig in and help people, whatever. So I think the judgmental piece on others, I wouldn't say I do a lot of that. Or I don't know, my friends might, might correct me. <laughs> but I've been really noticing when other people do it, instead of taking offence or taking it on, I kind of have this visual shield and think, okay, I've got this cloak on, I'm not going to let it affect me. And noticing that there's something going on with them. So it's then sort of holding a mirror up to them and saying, okay, what's going on with you, Jordana? You know, you're sort of saying that about that person, but, you know, that's not really about them, is it? You know, what's happening with you? And trying to have that really genuine, deep conversation with them rather than getting into the gossip about them bitching about someone else because I'm like, that's not cool, that's not nice, and I actually don't agree with you, but also what is that telling me what's going on with you? And so, you know, I've been really working on that for the last probably six months or so to pick that up, But um, which is interesting how you've, uh, you know, asked that question. Yeah. Well, I mean, within within myself, I had always thought my judgment was curiosity, but it wasn't. And what it was a reflection of was my judgment of myself and my own ability to be quite critical of myself. Right. So once I had an awareness of it, instead of going, oh, my God, why am I so judgmental? That's such a horrible quality of mine. I'm really conscious of it now. I've accepted it and I've realized that the best avenue for me to be less judgmental of others is to be less judgmental of myself. So there's a self-acceptance piece that's come in, right? So it's things like that. And we've all got these weaknesses. We've all got these challenges or obstacles within ourselves that are there for our growth and expansion. And this is what drew me to astrology. I started studying astrology almost five years ago now, and it was the self-awareness piece. I know a lot of people sort of think astrology is woo-woo and all the rest of it, but I practice evolutionary astrology, which basically looks at how we can evolve through our natal charts. What's a natal chart? Sorry, I saw that on your website. It's your chart at the time of your birth, so where all the planets were in the sky. So we all know our sun sign. 
We also have a moon sign and a rising sign and a Mercury, a Mars, a Venus sign. And they tell us about different factors within us, different areas of who we are. And it's really fascinating the deeper you dive into your natal chart, learning about, again, where the potential for growth is, where you have certain challenges you may, you may need to overcome through your personality and also through your instincts and behaviours. So uh, two points on that. One, obviously, I think people have probably been more aware about uh, the chart stuff in the last couple of years about metro uh, Mercury retrograde because <laughs> it was like, no, I'd never heard of that term before. And then it was just like everywhere. Everyone just kept talking about it and everything's going on. But also, again, for those that are listening that are naysayers and like, this is a load of bullshit, but I'm going to keep listening because, you know, um, (laughs) I challenge you to think about, you know, I always look at, you know, a big picture thinker. So when I think about here we are, these tiny little humans on this little planet, and we all know about the solar system. We learned that as kids. And then, you know, we know like a fraction of what is out there is is, uh, really is how I feel about it. But there is definitely something that goes on when there's a full moon. So, you know, in terms of, it was funny how a lot of the uh, people that are in retail, a bunch of girlfriends the other day were having a drink and there's three of them that work in retail. They said, oh yeah, we have it in our calendars when there's a full moon because customers are assholes. And I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. They have it in hospitals as well, in the emergency department. And that's again, very pragmatic, you know, medical people that they understand that they see these patterns. So Again, you know, what you just talked about there with your lunar, you know, your natal reading chart, I challenge you to think about, okay, there's more to this and you might not have learnt about it all yet, but be a bit, little bit more open to it because you never know where it might take you, right? Yeah. And we kind of go back to what you said earlier when you were talking about on social media, these like little grabs about manifestation. It's the same with astrology. Like I love astrology memes. I love them. But that is not astrology. That is not at the heart of astrology. And when you read a horoscope in the newspaper, or I guess we don't read the newspaper anymore online, that's a creative writing exercise. And any astrologer will tell you that horoscopes are just like shiny little objects that it's really not the truth of what astrology is so if you are again curious to learn more about yourself I do invite you to just dig a little bit deeper into your chart and see what you discover and so you do sessions with people around working through this so if I was to do a session with you on my natal reading chart what do I have to do what's the do I have to come prepared with any information I think is it around when you're born or the time or something as well is that how it works Yeah, so you would give me your date of birth, your time of birth, and your location of birth. And then I would pull up a chart for that exact period of time. And from there, I could tell you countless things about your life. And then we could also have a look at the year going forward or any time frame going forward based on the transits and how they aspect the planets in your natal chart. So look, I mean, everyone thinks astrology is really sort of like this kind of airheady thing, but it is maths and science when it comes down to it. And I am a words gal, I am not a numbers gal. So it took me a very long time to get my head around the maths behind astrology because it's a lot of angles and degrees. So what's the difference then between astrology and numerology? Because that sounds to me like they're very intertwined, I guess. Well, numerology is based on numbers, where astrology is based on where the planets specifically were at the time of your birth, yeah. And so then it's, um, so using that, and then as you say, forward, it's around how the planets align and what's, you know, the energy that's happening within 
the planets moving around each other? Is that kind of how you describe it or? How they're moving around each other and then they form what we call aspects, so oppositions or squares or conjunctions or trines with the planets in your natal chart. So we'd pull up like a bi wheel to have a look at that. I was just talking about it on my podcast this week, actually. JP Morgan, who's like an American financier from, you know, early 1900s, he always had an astrologer. A lot of the really wealthy CEOs had astrologers. And he always said a millionaire might not have an astrologer, but a billionaire always does reading the transits of business going forward. Fascinating. So it's kind of like, you know, and I, I'm a believer that it's like whatever tips you can get to get ahead, whatever helps you, whatever makes you. And it's back to, back to your point about your key premise around the number one, being curious, right? To me, this stuff I'm really curious about and I want to learn more. And some people might find they're like, oh, that doesn't work for me and that's okay. But other stuff you're like, well, imagine where it could lead. But that's, that's really interesting about the billionaire comment. So that's on your podcast called Lunar Lover, and that comes out twice a week. Is that right? Yeah, it comes out once a week and then twice a week if you're a subscriber, you get a bonus episode. Oh, I love it. Great. Okay. So what are the types of things, that's my last question to you, because I reckon I could talk to you for hours and now I need to have to actually have a session with you, I've decided, because <laughs> there's too many questions. But what are the some of the biggest things that people have overcome that you've seen, and I guess you can only talk generally, but what are some of the things that you've impacted the most that give you the most joy, you know, in your work that you do in this space? I think, you know, for me, I always thought, especially after writing my books, that I would hear about all these incredible things that people have manifested and that would bring me so much joy. And I do hear about that. I get DMs daily, like, I've manifested this, I've manifested that, I've manifested this, which is so great. But the most beautiful messages I get are, I was in a really dark place, or I was feeling really despondent to life, or I was dissociating from life, and your book made me rediscover who I am. And that is the gold for me. When I wrote my latest book, Make You Happen, I'd had a really... I'm going to use the word traumatic, not lightly, traumatic year, the year before, I had to rediscover who I was after that trauma. So self-awareness is a practice that you come back to time and time again. And you might think you know yourself and then you've got to revisit it. So when someone says to me, I've rediscovered who I am, I've got this new zest for life, like that's all I could ask for. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting point because I've been really feeling that. Like I've gone through so much change in the last few years and, you know, in my life and my career and what I'm doing and, you know, finding my craft, as it were, and a creative expression for me, you know, 50 years old to be able to express that in all my life. I think I've kind of been looking for that. So, you know, that is ceramics and I just, I could do it all day, every day. There's so many things that I want to make and create and do. It's just beautiful. But um it's almost like a leveling up. I think, you know, your point there around we can't be complacent and I'm not a person that is in that, but it's like every time I go like, oh, my life's really good. I'm having a good time. And then something kind of happens and it's all this sort of, I'm like, okay, there's more to learn. There's always more to learn. <laughs> and I'm just an absolute lifelong learner. So I know I'm here. You know, I'm an old soul. I've been around before. I know I'm going to be around again. And there are lessons that I've still got to learn in this life. And so I think, again, just being open to that and, you know, they're, they're not all good. You know, sometimes it's real shitty, horrible stuff, but 
it makes you to, you know, those dark moments and in the grey and the horrible mud of that, it helps you to appreciate and realise when the sun is shining and it's rainbows and it's a beautiful day or it's an incredible moment or life is good like it is for me now. I, um, yeah, I think it's good that sort of dark and shade and light and shadow and everything to appreciate that. So I, I really understand your point. And I think, you know, people being able to do some work with you to really challenge their everyday normal notions, they might find some fascinating stuff out of it, huh? Yeah, definitely. Fantastic. It's been so gorgeous to chat to you. Thank you very much for sharing your insights. I think all the show notes will tell everyone how they can find you, your three books, your beautiful podcasts, and uh, even three podcasts as well. You're a very busy lady. (laughs) So what's next for you from here, Jordana? I am writing my first fiction book at the moment, which has not been an easy feat at all. I chose for my first fiction book the most complicated timeline in the history of fiction books. So I look forward to it finally being done. That's what I'm working on at the moment and just um, exploring astrology more and more with the podcast. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again. It's been just gorgeous to meet you today and um, really appreciate your time in this space. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com.